The Nature of the Mundane, Part 3, Darwin and I I recently took a walk alongside a herd of bighorn sheep in the Rio Grande Valley, north of Santa Fe, where I couldn't help but notice their tiny fecal pellets scattered all along the trail. How could such an enormous animal produce such diminutive scat, so different than the messy pies of their ungulate cousins, horses, and cows? I decided to challenge my hero, Charles Darwin, whose unfettered and determined curiosity about the natural world was my delusionally aspirational goal. Could I puzzle this out? I have often imagined taking a walk with Darwin, wondering if we would go more than a few paces before he would stop to investigate a worm, a beetle, or a plant. After Darwin returned from his epic voyage, he spent 23 years before publishing The Origin of the Species, checking every odd specimen sent to him in order to ensure that our wondrous diversity could still be explained by natural selection. He needed his theory to be bulletproof from his detractors, i.e. the church aficionados promoting intelligent design by some celestial sky daddy. Darwin noticed everything, so surely he must have thought about fecal pellets. The sheep must have a different intestinal design than the big splat herbivores, able to squeeze every drop of water out of the undigested bolus with some sort of rhythmically coordinated contractions. The first question Darwin might consider was the evolutionary advantage of such an excremental strategy, and then work backwards from there to see if he could find evidence of intermediate forms. I rushed home to consult my origin of the species. Not a mention of feces, defecation, excrement, or anus in the chapter headings or index. However, at 686 pages, the 20-page index was woefully inadequate. I found a complete copy of the book on Project Gutenberg, which allowed me to do a thorough word search. All keywords came up negative, although I did find anus embedded in the word manuscript. This seemed like a huge miss on Darwin's part. Not only the isolated example of the bighorn sheep, whose limited access to water could explain their dry scat, but the importance of fecal management to the predator-prey relationship. Olfactory hunters, such as the big cats, follow their noses to track down prey. Animals use feces to mark their territory. Prey animals conceal their scat to throw off their predators. Such voluntary defecation among both predators and prey suggests higher brain functions are involved, along with the anatomic factors that allow animals to choose where and when. How did this evolve? Diagrams of the anatomy and reflexes to control defecation look like a Rube Goldberg invention, a tangle of nerves creating a delicate dance between inhibition and stimulation, voluntary and involuntary muscles working cooperatively. The whole operation is an evolutionary miracle essential to species survival. In The Origin of the Species, Darwin studiously avoided any mention of human evolution for fear of the wrath of the Church, but it couldn't have been far from his mind. As humans evolved a bipedal gait, the anus migrated from the light of day to the deepest depths of the inner gluteal cleft. Walking upright might have been the prompt to evolve opposable thumbs and the use of tools, but the new, dank, dark location of the anus produced hygiene issues, intensified by shared living quarters. Defecation became the provenance of the private sphere, creating a whole spectrum of psychosocial issues, including, but not limited to, an anal personality at one end and the joys of potty humor at the other end of the spectrum. 
1871, Darwin gathered his courage and published his companion volume, The Descent of Man. Here he focused on sexual selection as an evolutionary force. Evidence was all around him. As a pigeon fancier, Darwin could directly see how deliberate breeding could produce wildly different appearances. Natural selection was an identical concept, only playing out over longer periods of time. A collection of Darwin's domestic pigeons bred in his garden are found in various museums. Various authors have credited his observations on these pigeons as more influential to his theory of natural selection than his finches that he found in the Galapagos. This book describes the various armaments animals have evolved to demonstrate their physical prowess to drive sexual selection, and most visibly among birds, the role of beauty in the same process. Here's another of Darwin's missed opportunities, the role of hygiene in sexual selection. The discerning female will seek out a partner who is sanitary and will not pass on fecally transmitted parasites, a particular hazard among carnivores and blood imbibers. In fact, Darwin might have recognized this factor in his own marriage. In the 40 years following his return to England, Darwin was plagued with a chronic illness that included nausea, vomiting, headaches, and skin lesions. He was frequently bedbound and able to work for only a few hours a day. The cause was never identified in his lifetime, but modern doctors reviewing his diaries have suggested that Chagas disease is a possible diagnosis. Chagas disease is caused by a parasite transmitted through the feces of a kissing bug, one of which was kept as a pet on his boat, the beagle. This parasitic disease limited Darwin's fitness and might have made his long-suffering wife reconsider her choice. In 1899, Darwin published The Expression of Emotions in Man and Animals, which provided descriptions of facial expressions. For the first time, this book also included photographs, including a picture of disgust. Darwin provided a detailed description of the required musculature, tongue movements, and nasal valves required for snorting that signals disgust. He comments that both animals and humans similarly express disgust, suggesting an evolved and not learned behavior. Another missed opportunity. Darwin does not take the final leap, noting that the evolution of human disgust and the accompanying avoidance reaction has protected us from the dangers of rotting food and feces. Am I crazy to think that I have glommed onto a useful framework to describe the anatomic, sexual selection, and psychosocial factors that contribute to the survival of the fittest? Finally, after determined internet search, I find a short 2013 article by two Italian authors published in the obscure journal Techniques in Coloproctology, titled The Control of Defecation in Humans, an Evolutionary Advantage? The authors conclude, quote, Thus, a conscious recognition of the importance of controlling defecation may have represented a further weapon for early human beings, not only in the fight for survival, but also to improve hunting strategies and therefore to increase the evolutionary advantages. Darwin must have known this, but simply chose not to record this insight in his voluminous written work. He lived during the height of the staid and pious Victorian age, a culture which revered the human body as an unsullied temple. He didn't need to descend into the unsavory depths of everyday life to support evolution. He could choose among hundreds of examples. Well, he wrote at length about the uncanny, and some said God-given, ability of the bee to make a perfect hexagon, or to wax poetically on the beak of the shoveler duck, quote, whose beak is a more beautiful and complex structure than the mouth of the whale.
I like to envision my walk with an elderly Darwin, perhaps holding his bony elbow as we take his habitual and contemplative walk along his sand path. I might gently broach my pet subject by praising the vast scope of his research, but also suggest that natural selection is so pervasive that additional evolutionary levers could be at play. Darwin might look at me quizzically, and in that small pause I might whisper, defecation. Darwin would stop suddenly, grab me by both of my forearms, and say, yes, exactly, finally someone who's willing to talk about this. We excitedly exchange our ideas as we walk back towards his greenhouse. Tea is approaching, and I don't want to take more of his time. As I leave, he again grabs my arms and says, I've never felt comfortable about dressing such a distasteful subject, so I am most grateful that you have taken the initiative. Here's my gift, a basic truth that I will share with you alone. I will claim no ownership, as I do not want to besmirch my reputation. But you might find it useful. Do what you wish with it. Become famous if you dare. Here is my gift. These six words say it all. You cannot shit where you live.